can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. I don't have anything in my teeth, do I? No, you don't, do I? Why did I eat? I should have eaten before coming here and no, then I, I should have brushed my teeth. I ate on the way here as well because it's so early. Hannah it. and I are in the studio. Too early. 8am. Hannah <sighs> is not a morning person. I'm sure that our loyal listeners know that. She's had her coffee though. I yes. think we're going to be okay. Okay. Yeah, let's just ease into it. Yeah. What do you want to talk about today? So I have a bone to pick yes. with this studio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Don't last let the studio manager hear that. Sorry, <laughs> last time we came here, I did my makeup full glam. I used my Estee Lauder double wear. I did my powder. You looked great. Yes. I looked great. So I took a photo like at my place with like the natural light on my face. And I was like, oh, I look so nice. And then I got to the studio and the lighting, instead of coming from here, like natural mm. light, the lighting comes from here. Yeah. So I when looked- you take at- photos from above, it looks really good. <laughs> it does look really good. <laughs> but I looked at the videos that came through and I thought, I should never have posted the selfie because I feel like people think it's like if I was a celebrity, People Magazine would have published like a before and after and been like what she posted to Instagram but what she really looks like. You know when J-Lo gets that? face tuned. Yes, because it was the lighting. The lighting was really different. And so today I thought I don't think that like really matte makeup look suits Mm. this environment. Mm -hmm. The problem is if it looks shit again (laughs) – I'm going to be like, guys, I used this, yeah. but can you see? Yeah, you look glowy. <laughs> so I thought- I'm wearing the same thing. It's the Huda Beauty. I did the glowish multitude yeah. and I thought even if I got really hot and sweaty in here and I was just like really shiny, mm. that would actually look quite good, probably, I think. Yeah. And that would probably look good on camera. Because I'm would- usually really shiny, but I found I looked quite matte in those videos and I was like- how is that possible? <laughs> I still thought you looked really good and oh, I loved thanks. someone like DM'd me or someone said like, oh, Joanna looked so good. <laughs> Didn't say anything about me. What am I? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, fair. <laughs> like I did. I wonder if you can actually see the difference. Can you see that? I mean, I think you looked great in the video. So I think you're just nitpicking at yourself. I looked so, it's catfishing you do right look there. Really good. So in like, that. this is the hinge profile, and then this is how I turn up. <laughs> <laughs> totally catfish beautiful. the audience. I'm sorry, but it's not my fault. It's the lighting. <laughs> so lesson for future: glowy. We're gonna go glowy. Glowy, which I've done today, yeah. and I feel like that will. I just felt that matte didn't suit. The studio I also lighting. felt like my blush and my bronze, I really couldn't be seen. I looked very mm. like dimensional. Yes. So I've tried to like amp it up a little bit today with the contour and the blush, but yeah. who knows if that'll show up. You yeah. guys let us know. You let us know. <laughs> anyway. What's on today's episode? <laughs> so on today's episode, we are talking to Dr. Cara McDonald on scar removal. Then we are chatting all about layering and of course the products we didn't know we needed. So today we have Dr. Cara McDonald joining us, dermatologist and director at Complete Skin Specialist. Welcome back to the potty, Dr. Cara. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
I would say one of our favourite dermatologists we like to have on this podcast. You have to say that. Yeah. (laughs) So today we're talking about scar removal and we've done a little bit of scar removal stuff with you before. Hannah actually had an ear piercing. Yeah. Is it looking fabulous now? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's really flat. It looks so much better because it was like a really long hole. So it's looking much better. Thank you, Cara. Yeah. It takes a while. (laughs) So Cara, what are the different types of scarring that we can experience? Obviously, we've got to cover that off before we get to the removal part. So look, there are many, many types of scars and every scar is actually different. And I always explain that to my patients because they read about or hear about treatments for scarring, but scarring is is so broad and so in general terms we look at either sort of depressed scars or raised scars that's called an atrophic scar if it's depressed in the skin or hypertrophic if it's raised in the skin and then you can get a scar that almost has a mind of its own and grows like a tumor and that's called a keloid scar so the difference between a hypertrophic scar and a keloid scar is that one is sort of within the bounds of the injury so hypertrophic can be raised but it's still the same kind of size as the actual injury whereas a keloid scar actually grows beyond the size of the actual injury and you know they can actually become huge depending on where they are. And then you've got within those categories, you've got the colour change. So you've got hypopigmented scars, so that's white scarring. You've got hyperpigmented scars, which is brown or darker scarring. You've got what we call post-inflammatory erythema, so that's usually a redness to the scar or telangiectasia. And then you can start to describe scars depending on their severity. So when we're looking at acne scars, we have scales that we use for mild, moderate and severe. And then more specifically, little types to the scarring. So again, that tends to be specific to, say, acne scarring, where you might look at what we call ice pick scars, which are, as they sound, like they're a deep pitted, sharp sort of scar. There's a box car scar, which is a bit more like a chicken pox scar. So it's kind of like straight across, down, flat, up again, across. Then you've got rolling scars, which again, as they sound, and it really keeps going depending on what you're describing and and what type of injury you're looking at. Mm, Very extensive. So are there certain types of scars that can be treated and some that can't? Almost all scars can be improved depending on where you start. But there are definitely some scars that are very difficult to treat and there's very, very different treatments for different scars. Things like burn scars, you know, are extraordinarily difficult to treat because they are such a broad area of scar tissue. So most scar treatments rely on either being able to use some of the surrounding more normal tissue to help improve the scar or localised kind of treatment on that scar is something that's a broad sheet-like scar such as a burn scar it's more difficult to get a significant improvement but then when we're looking at burn scars we're often looking at things like tightening of the scar thickening of the scar more functional problems with scars where they become difficult for the person to function properly and with that sort of thing there's a lot we can do we can release the scars um, soften them stretch them and so on My uh, friends had a birthmark removed on her shoulder and it was quite a big birthmark and she's ended up with a significant keloid scar Mm. and she keeps asking me like, how should I treat it? And I wanted to ask you, what's the best option for her if she's got a big keloid scar there? It's quite uncomfortable for her because it's in this area where she needs movement. 
I think that's a really good point just to raise while you mention it. I see a lot of young people that get things removed essentially electively, like a mole they Mm. don't like or a spot that the GP wants to biopsy. But as I say, it's more elective. And younger people are more likely to end up with abnormal hypertrophic or keloid scars, particularly on the upper areas of the body that move a lot. So chest, back and upper arms. And I frequently see people with really quite terrible scars from something that they didn't really need to have removed and didn't understand what that risk was. And, you know, often they're removing them because they don't like the spot or they think it might be in the sun and they don't want to get sun on it or whatever, but they end up with this scar that causes them not only symptomatic pain, itch, discomfort, but also cosmetically is really devastating for a lot of people. Yeah, she won't wear anything that shows it. Like everything has to cover her shoulder. Yeah. So just think it's a a good point to make here really that don't just get things taken off because you think it'll look better because I always say you cannot 100% predict what a scar will look like when you remove something. Mm. So you always have to imagine that it's possible the scar will look worse than what you're having taken off. And especially in certain areas, I would advise against it. But in terms of your friend's treatment, again, you know, it really comes down to assessing that individual scar. There is a lot we can do with keloid scars. The mainstay of treatment in that kind of scar is an injection combination treatment we tend to use now where we inject a medication called 5-fluorouracil, which is actually a medication used for cancers. But because we're injecting it just into the scar tissue, it acts to stop that excessive cell turnover, which is what I was saying with a keloid scar, it kind of acts like a tumour and that's why we treat it like a Mm tumour. But it's not injected through the body like it would be for a cancer treatment. We also use injected corticosteroid, which again shrinks the tissue a lot and reduces the inflammation. And now we're injecting a lot of botulinum toxin injections, muscle relaxant injections, Mm. because the fibroblasts which are the scar tissue cell, have receptors which are sensitive to that medication and that tends to reduce the recurrence because often when we treat a keloid scar, it works for a while and then it can start to come back. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot we can do as well as lasers to take out some of the colour treating the surrounding area Mm -hmm. as well. Well, I'll tell her she needs to book in with you ASAP. (laughs) Yeah, get on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Now, on that note... What are the different surgical and non-surgical treatment options for different kinds of scarring? Well, I think I'll sort of describe it mostly around acne scarring because I think that's what we treat or think of most when we think of scarring. Obviously, surgical scars are the other thing that we treat a lot of, like skin grafts and flaps and so on to try and get them looking as good as possible. But with scars, okay, so surgical treatments you asked first. So first of all, cutting them out. And certainly if you're at risk of keloid scarring or so on, you don't want to cut out a keloid scar because anything that you cut out can grow back bigger if you're prone to keloid scarring. So that's why we don't tend to ever cut out keloid scars because you're at quite high risk of getting a bigger one. And occasionally, you know, we'll cut out large acne scars. I had a big, big scar on the back of another young girl that had something removed recently and she ended up with a very depressed scar. So we actually took that right out. So the excisions, though, we can do all sorts of things. So punch excisions where we're using just a very tiny blade to actually take out the deep bit of the scar and let the tissue rise up and heal over more naturally and sometimes bigger excisions. And then there's a thing called subcision, 
And Subcision, anyone that kind of loves watching this stuff on social media would have seen it. But <laughs> Subcision <Me>. is using, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for Subcision, basically what we're doing is breaking up the scar tissue underneath the surface. It's best done by someone who does regular surgical procedures. So they're the main surgical things we do. And then in terms of non-surgical procedures, look, there are many energy-based devices and they all have different qualities. But I think the way to think about all energy-based devices for lasers or energy-based devices for scarring is that you're creating very small amounts of damage again within that scarring so that you will then get some new collagen formation and new tissue formation. So scarring happens because the body's trying to heal an area that's sort of too big or because there's a lot of inflammation. Whereas if you create a really small micro zone of damage, if you imagine just spot by spot by spot, you can replace the bit of scarring with a more normal healing. That's the way lasers work. Similarly, something like micro needling, the idea is the same, that you're creating a very small bit of damage and getting a healing response. You're getting a lot more swelling and reaction, but you're not doing enough damage to the scars to get a significant amount of repair. And that's why we don't tend to get very good results unless you're very aggressive with microneedling in small areas you can. Probably the one main thing I haven't covered is like acid type peels, I think called TCA cross. That's when we use a very high strength acid at the base of the scar to try and stimulate more collagen and new tissue as well. So it's all about controlled damage and repair so that we don't cause more scarring, but we get enough damage to get some improvement in the scarring we've got. One more thing, dermal fillers. So when you have depressed scars, sometimes dermal fillers, especially if that tethering has been lifted, they can be really effective to lift them up and, and give you a nice improvement. And so... I guess when people do come and see you to get a scar removal, but can you actually completely remove a scar? Like do their expectations maybe need to be quite realistic that maybe they won't be able to remove the scar completely? Yeah, look, I think scar removal is a complete misnomer because, you know, the only way to remove a scar is to cause a new scar. So you're never going to remove a scar. It's certainly scar treatment, scar improvement, and setting expectations is the hardest bit because even as someone that does this all the time, I can't always predict how good those scars will end up after any certain treatment. So, you know, when I see you, I might say, well, this will need three to 10 treatments. And I don't know at which point you'll be happy that we've done enough because it's quite difficult to know exactly how much improvement you'll get from any one treatment. And we always have to start off fairly safe because there's always a risk. And I've got a patient at the moment that had scar treatment done elsewhere and got a whole lot of new scars from the scar treatment they were having. And that's the risk that if you over-treat or use the wrong treatment for that patient, you actually cause more problems. And, you know, that's never good for you or them, obviously. So I think, yeah, it's really difficult and it's hard to set expectations because every person is different. Every scar, every single scar is different. Where would you suggest someone starts if they want to, you know, see someone about scar removal or treatment for scarring? My advice is a couple of things. One is go to someone that, you know, has a lot of different options up their sleeve. I can go on and on about all the different options for scar treatment. That's because there are many. 
if you're seeing someone that really only has one device or one option to suggest for your scarring, then they probably don't have that experience across different types of scarring and different modalities that might help different scars and different people. And unfortunately, I do see a lot of them in the clinic where they've been told, oh, yeah, you know, yep, you've got scarring, I've got this machine, we'll do three, four, five treatments, whatever. That's the treatment. And then four or five treatments and four or $5,000 or nine or $10,000 later, they can't see any significant improvement and it might not have been the best treatment for them or else it wasn't done by someone with enough experience So experience does count and even as someone that does it a lot, it's still really difficult. And if anyone just says to you, oh, yeah, I can fix your scars, run a mile. I was going to say that's a red flag. If they say you're going to walk out here with flawless skin, that's just enough of a red flag to walk away. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So it's difficult. I mean, there are some dermatologists, obviously. There are other clinicians that do acne scarring and do it well. But they do need to have a few options and a fair bit of experience. That's my only tip. That is a good tip. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Cara. We'll let you get back to your patients. My pleasure. I hope it was helpful. Hannah, I feel like layering is really going back to basics for us. Mm -hmm. I think we did this within our first couple of episodes, but it comes up all the time and our customer experience team are always answering questions about layering. So Mm -hmm. I thought we'd just do a bit of a refresher. Yeah. And I feel like you've heard this term enough from me. You've heard the phrase multiple times about how to layer. Yes. I reckon you could repeat it back to me. Start with your water-soluble serums. Yep. This wasn't what I was going to ask you to say, but yeah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you meant like start with the like thinnest. Yes, that's exactly. Oh, sorry. Thinnest to thickest. Yes. But that's water-soluble serums, like the watery texture ones. Then you go to the oil-based serums, Mm -hmm. then moisturizer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. And then SPF. Yep, of course. So what we talked about in very early episodes was Mm -hmm. having like bookends to your routine, which would be your cleanser and your SPF. In the Mm -hmm. middle was your moisturizer. If you want to add any serums in there, you can. But a very basic routine would be your cleanser. I don't feel like our listeners are only doing that. I don't think. I doubt they'd be with us three years later. But you never know. There might be some (laughs) people that have just joined us and they're hearing this for the first time. So if you're wanting to introduce serums, and I think this is where the skin cycling thing comes in, because what Mm -hmm. I've learned from doing consults with people is that they're using all of their products every single night. Mm. There's no filtering in different products. They're just using the same thing every single night. You don't have to use all of your products every single night. You can stagger things out. And I think that's where the skin cycling concept comes from, which I've always done, but I just assumed everyone was doing it. So did I. But for a lot of people, I think they're just going, oh, I must have to use all of these things all at once for it to be effective, which is absolutely not true. Things can be effective if you use them twice a week, for example, Mm -hmm. retinol. Mm -hmm. So as you said before, with layering, you want to start with your water-based stuff. So Mm -hmm. you would cleanse, then you would use any toners, essences, mists before you go in with any water-based serums. Mm -hmm. There are obviously oil-based serums that will have water in them as well, but you can usually tell by the texture. All you have to do is put it on your hand and you kind of know what the texture is. So just go in with thinnest to thickest and that should solve all your problems in terms of layering. But I think where people tend to get confused is what ingredients they can and can't use together Yes, and when to use it in their routine, whether it's morning or night. So there's 
some easy tips here. You can use your niacinamide whenever. So mm-hmm. vitamin B serums, very versatile. That's why I love niacinamide because you can use it whenever you want. You can use it with anything. Mm-hmm. Your vitamin C you generally use in the morning because it gives you that protection from environmental damage. It also does generate collagen, so you can use it at night. There's mm-hmm. no problem with using it at night. But if you're using retinol, AHAs, BHAs at night as well, you it may as well use it. It's too much. It's yeah. just way too much product. Yeah. So use your vitamin C in the morning. You can use your niacinamide on top of that. You can mix them together if you want to. And then at night you would alternate nights with your AHAs and BHAs and your retinols. Or get a product that has both. Or get a product that has both, like Midnight Reboot. There's Mm -hmm. multiple serums on the market that have retinol and AHAs in them if Mm -hmm. you'd rather use them together. When they're formulated together, it's generally appropriate to use that on most skin types. If you're layering a retinol and a separate AHA, that's where I feel you can really run into some issues. So I would tend to avoid that unless you've been doing that for like three years and you've not burnt your face off yet. You've Mm -hmm. probably got very robust skin. In that case, I'd say go for it. But they're really the only rules around what you can and can't use together. I would just be avoiding mixing your vitamin C's with retinol and your AHAs and BHAs with retinol. I actually find AHAs and retinol together is fine for me. Mm. It's salicylic acid and retinol yes. that burns. Yeah. I try to avoid using those together. Yeah. Because it definitely does like burn my skin. Same. I can't use AHAs and retinol together, but when okay. I use it in a particularly formulated product like Alpha H Midnight, I'm fine. I can do AHAs and retinol not every night, obviously, yeah, no, but no, I no. can. But I just find salicylic acid like mm-hmm. uh, stronger, maybe because I'm using like yeah. a 2%. Yes. But it definitely those two, I wouldn't mix those together. And also I find vitamin C, mixing vitamin C with a retinol is also something about it is reactive on my skin. They're both very active products. If you're using a 15% vitamin C or 15% allascorbic acid with a retinol that's, you know, a 1% retinol or you're using a retinaldehyde like that's really strong mm. stuff on your skin yeah and it's also you got to think about like your skin trying to process all of that mm. of course it's going to freak out yeah so i just play it safe with your vitamin c in the morning but if you want to use vitamin c at night just stagger it with your <laughs> with your retinol i actually do remember in thailand i did little like facials for me yeah. and the boyfriend yeah. and i put salicylic acid on first i wasn't thinking oh no on both of us oh, and no. then i put i must have put a retinol <laughs> over the top we both lay back and all of a sudden he's like my skin's burning and i was like so is mine and we were like both had the reddest faces we went and washed it all off and i was like sorry that was like <laughs> chemical peel like an at-home chemical peel that's what it felt like don't do that at don't, home. Please don't do that at home. I was, wasn't thinking. I just yeah. thought it'll be fine. It Layered two products that definitely should have been laid together and we kind of lay back and we're just like, Ooh, oh, you know, you can feel the yes. burn. Yeah, yeah. that's not the good burn. You can tell when burn. something's going wrong. Yeah. And also hyaluronic acid as well can be used at any time with anything. Mm-hmm. It's a very versatile ingredient. You know, yeah. cinnamon and hyaluronic acid, you can't really go wrong. Yeah. Put it wherever. You're not going to have an issue, but- Just please remember you don't have to use everything all at once and it's better to stagger products because the more things you layer, the less effective those layered products can be. Um, Do you pat your serums in or rub? No, and I thought you were going to pat up from Kim Kardashian. As far as I'm aware. She pats, right? Yes. So she did a video the other day being like, oh, it breaks down your collagen if you rub your serums in. There is no scientific backing to that as far as I'm aware. Uh-huh. And I've seen multiple Except that she rubs her face with a towel yeah. after she exfoliates. <laughs> yes. Soz, but that's, 
babe, I think you're yeah, having, that, that's you're way worse. Anyway. Yeah. So I would say there is no need. You need to pat in your products. You yeah. can apply it any way you want. I personally gently rub mine in. I apply my serums to my fingertips. I know a lot of people put it in their palm, but I feel uh-huh. like that's product wastage. Yeah. Fingertips doesn't absorb as much. I just yeah. rub it together on my fingertips and then I gently. Do you wait for it to dry for the next serum before the next serum? Depends what it is. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I do if I feel like it's a serum that's a bit prone to pilling, then I'll wait a little bit longer. But most of the time I just slap everything on. Like who has time to wait? So I have a different technique. I rub the first one in and then I feel like if I rub the second one in, it's going to rub the first one off. Yeah. So then I pat the second one in. I tend to do that if it's a very different texture. Yeah. So if I okay. feel like the textures are just not going to work together, like yeah. an oil, I'll always pat an oil in because always, I yeah. know that's going to cause the product yeah. underneath to peel if I rub it. Yeah. So always patting in an oil. And on the note of oils as well, it does depend on the oil as to whether you apply it before or after your moisturizer, which is mm-hmm. why I always say just Mix put a couple it. of drops in your moisturizer, Same, then you've that. just got no problems. <laughs> It's going to on be on the topic there. of oil. I did an oil sheet mask. We don't ah, stock it at a door. Yeah. So I didn't read the thing, and I I pulled it out, and I was like, "Sweet, put it on." I was like, "Oh my god, this is an oil sheet mask." Was it dripping in your eyes? Yes. Yeah. It was so oily. It was like it was weird. And then I literally took the mask off, and I just sort of rubbed it in. And then this is what I've. Oh no. Yeah. Literally within like 24 hours, okay. I just was breaking out everywhere. Wow. I don't know about these. Oil- I've never even I've- seen an oil sheet mask. Must be for yeah. very dry skin. It's an interesting concept, mm. but obviously didn't work for you. Oh, no. No. Yeah. I'm going to stick to my regular it's sheet mask, I think. Me too. So, yeah, I think that's layering. If you have any other questions, leave them in the Facebook group and I can get back to you. But I hope I bet you TikTok's going to come up with a new word for layering. 100%. <laughs> Let's I'm see. What would it. they say? They'll come up with some. Sandwiching or something. Yes. <laughs> They'll come up yeah. with some newfangled term that's just layering. Yeah. And it'll like go viral on TikTok and, and then you'll hear, you'll read articles in the Daily Mail. Yeah. Have you heard of? Yeah. It's just like. this. And it's just applying be- skincare. Yeah. Beauty's <laughs> just become like TikTok has turned it into something. I don't know. All the things that we already know yes. have become new it's things It's just trying on to TikTok. reinvent it. Reinvent. It's yeah. like they reinvent. The yeah. Gen Zs are like Gen inventing. <laughs> no offence, Gen Zs. <laughs> Products we didn't know we needed. Guys, the OG listeners. That is a Big boy. <laughs> you guys will know we used to do so many sexual innuendos at the beginning <laughs> because we used to always talk about the big boy, yeah. the big boy product. The big boy originally was the Kiehl's <laughs> creme de corps yes. in the pump bottle. Yes. So as you guys know, I drank my last bottle of Bioderma. <laughs> Which we don't recommend. <laughs> so uh, if you haven't listened or you're watching the video, it's like a water bottle and it's not got a pump like this. It, you open it. Yeah. I opened it and <laughs> <laughs> sucked on it like a water bottle, <laughs> vomited at two in the morning. So I had to get a new, I'd run out of Bioderma, mm. my cellar water. And I've been s- sucking it back. <laughs> it tastes disgusting, by the way. <laughs> Cleans out all your insides. <laughs> so this is the big boy, 850 mils. I actually bought two of them wow. by mistake. They both turned up and I'm like, I'm never going to use both of these. Yeah. But what I love about it, the reason I chose to get the big one is because it's got I the- I love that feature. You just put the cotton round, cotton on, round on there and then you press down. It's amazing. So mm. there's no way I could pick this up from the side of my bed and drink it, I don't no. think. That would be very hard. Yeah, that's, that's not going right to happen. Yeah. 
So it's really a PSA. I love this micellar water. It's one of my faves and I feel like the big boy is back. Yes. Yeah. I love, love a, that big love boy. A big I think boy. I'm going to need one of those myself. Yeah. I think I've got about three. Good for home, sensitive skin as well. Yes. I absolutely love that micellar water. That is mine. What's my yours today? Product and on This looks like a boyfriend product. Hot man smell. <laughs> so it is, but I'm wearing this fragrance today because ah, I feel like it's very unisex, okay. surprisingly. Do you want me to spray it on you? Oh. Hot it's man. Nice, isn't it? Yeah, that's hot man. But it's very fresh. It's mm-hmm. like Airy. It is. Yeah, There's yeah, something yeah. about it that's just, yeah, it's stunning. So this is a Creed fragrance. It's $439. Oof. For those that aren't familiar with Creed, they have a cult fragrance called Aventus, uh-huh. which you probably would have spelt on many bougie men before. Mm-hmm. This is the Silver Mountain Water. Uh-huh. It's a different one to Aventus. It is just the nicest fragrance. Silver I sprayed it on myself the other water. day. And my boyfriend smelled it on me and he was like, oh, my God, what is that? That's such a nice fragrance. So he likes hot man smell too. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, oh, it's this one. Like, you need to get it. It's so good. And then he was like, (laughs) he made the mistake of going, which date of yours wore that? (laughs) And I said, don't ask. So I did. I revealed that I had been on a number of dates with someone that wore this fragrance, but I loved this fragrance before I smelt it on them, in fairness to myself. Yeah. But now he doesn't want to wear it. But it's a stunning fragrance. So it's got notes of bergamot, green tea, sandalwood. It's just light, airy, fresh. Mm. That's how I would describe it. Hot man. But Mm -hmm. I think women could also wear it. If you like a masculine-ish fragrance, Mm -hmm. it's very gender neutral, I'd say. So, and the price point's right. Yeah. And affordable, obviously. So um, affordable. So, yeah, if you want to drop. By the way, you can get a VB perfume for $20 <laughs> at Chemist Warehouse. Not quite the same quality. <laughs> I gave that to my dad and I opened it and it's still sitting there full in his. I arm. don't think your dad, out of all people, is going to use that. <laughs> We spoke about Brad Pitt's new skincare line. Yes. Last time we were here. Who's someone released one the other day and I can't remember who it is. Ozzy Osbourne Ozzy has Osbourne, released a makeup, makeup collection. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so what is the world coming to? Brad Pitt, when we spoke about it, I hadn't actually looked on the website. Uh, so I ended up going on like a deep stalk of his website. And honestly, what the f yeah. <laughs> It's so expensive. A 30 mil serum was a 640 Australian dollars. Who's buying that apart from Brad Pitt? And he's not even buying it. But what I loved was that it said they're like the whole ethos of the brand is to like reconnect with nature. Mm. (laughs) But like nature is free. Yeah. Like you don't need to spend. (laughs) The price point isn't aligning with the brand vision. No, you don't need to spend that much on a serum to reconnect with nature. Go outside. It's actually probably better for your skin, not not in the sun, but it's probably yeah. better to go get some fresh air, get some exercise. Like yeah. I just sometimes brands have these values and I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And also some of these brands are using formulas that have existed for 30 years and they're like, oh, it's groundbreaking. Like it's not. I mean, it actually was quite interesting. I think the formulator is someone interesting. Okay. Do you want me to find out? <laughs> <No>. I <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> uh, none of us are buying that serum. It's way. I mean, I think of like the serum, like Skin Okay, yeah. two twenty, whatever it is, two thirty three. I think. It I is. Yeah. still think I'm like, whoa, that's so expensive. So yeah. times that by like two and a half. Yeah, that's the serum, thirty mil serum. No, so it's a no from me. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> 
it, you know it's like a certain clientele. Yes. He's, yes. He's targeting. His celebrity friends yeah, yeah. and that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, probably just going to send them all that for Christmas. His skin does look good. But also the way he sold it was so like I put my wash on, yeah, I my do serum, my wash. and then my and then I do my he like didn't it wasn't Lux the way he sold it. He also didn't say he wore SPF, which I think is <laughs> yeah. a red flag for me. If a celebrity is selling skincare and they don't say that they have SPF in their skincare routine, mm. alarm bells are ringing for me. It's like Gwyneth Paltrow when she used yes, it as highlighter. Yes, used it as a highlighter. That was Just traumatic. I don't want to talk about okay. it. <laughs> See ya. See ya. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.